When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Another segment of Sports Talk. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller, all tan from Florida. Wait a minute. I'm sports all... Talk. You're still used to hosting. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Did I say Sports Talk? You did. Oh, man. This is Inside Black and Gold. Gosh. Yeah. So I, I hosted 10 days of Sports Talk, and now it's, it's just ingrained, ingrained in, my, in my brain. I'm not a fan. But I'm, I'm going to leave that in. I'm not even going to re-record this. We're going through my new 53-man roster projection. I promised that I would update it after minicamp. There aren't a ton of changes, but we're going to start to get into them uh, now that we're into the wide receiver position. We're going to get into wide receivers. We're going to get into tight ends, and we are going to get into offensive line in this segment. And so let's flash this up here. There are a lot of wide receivers currently on this roster, and that and that doesn't include Malik Flowers, who was cut, which is a bit of a surprise, but I think... Yeah, uh, you know, the, when you brought in Kiki Kuti and Lynn Bowden, who both were signed and were very exclusively used in the kick return part of the practice, uh, it kind of you probably could have put two and two together. I didn't, but you probably could have put two and two together that Malik was not panning out, considering you brought him in as a kick return specialist. But so I'm keeping the same numbers at wide receiver. Just keeping six wide receivers. You could theoretically keep more or less, but I think six is safe. And Lynn Bowden Jr. is one of them. And because I think that you brought both those guys in for one of them to be your backup returner. And while you could theoretically stash them on the practice squad and bring them up, kind of like an Adam Prentice, I think for now it just makes sense to put the backup returner on the roster and go from there. My others are Chris Olave, Traquan Smith, Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid, sixth round pick A.T. Perry. And the gifted change is I took... Brian Edwards off of the keep line and put him down on the cut line. Um, Cause I just, yeah, it just haven't been super impressed with him thus far. Yeah. Question. I, I think I go into every year though, waiting. We'll see what happens with Trey Kwan. Interested about the addition of Cootie. Is that how you say the last name correctly? Cootie QT. Technically it's QT. Like the letters QT. Okay. Just cause he has obviously the returns uh, ability as well. Yeah. And I think could be someone that could push Bowden jr. Uh, for that spot. One thing to keep in mind too, is Lynn Bowden has a familiarity with Derek Carr. Yeah. That's a big one. He did spend time on the Raiders and that's just been a very, Raiders. yeah, a very popular theme. Like Billy Price, another guy they signed was on the Raiders practice squad last year. So again, it's like you're, you're clear. There's a very clear trend developing of familiarity with Derek Carr is helpful to you in getting a spot on the saints roster. Or at least it appears that way right now. So that's kind of why I lean that way. It could be Kiki as well. I was kind of 50-50 between them. But so the cuts, Kawan Baker, Shaq Davis, Brian Edwards as mentioned, Keith Kirkwood, Kirk Merritt. I have Brian Edwards on here twice for some reason. So actually there's only... You just want to get rid of him that badly. Like seven cuts. (laughs) Yeah, I want him to go on so badly that I put him on here twice. Kirk Merritt, Kiki QT, and James Washington. Brian, you know, and, and I... I 
do like Brian Edwards. He just hasn't looked confident. Uh, he's he just hasn't made any plays. Uh, I, he doesn't seem like a guy who's making a strong case to make the roster at this point. At Perry is a guy who I think is still very much on the line of you got to pick it up if you want to make this roster. Um, I think he's he's stabilized his, his play a little bit. I talked to Cody Burns on the second day or on the first day of camp, and he was talking about consistency. He needs to see more consistency out of him. They obviously like him. He's got big hands. He's got the big wingspan. He can jump. He can run. He's just got to be more consistent, stop dropping balls. And I think he did that. He still hasn't made any contested catches, but um, we'll see. The other one is Traquan Smith, who I think could potentially miss the roster. And, you know, guys like Keith Kirkwood are always options. Kirk Merritt, as I mentioned before in the first segment, is an option if you want to keep somebody who has some dual position flexibility. And then a veteran like James Washington, I don't know. You know, he hasn't really done anything to stand out. But that's those are my keeps right now. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And um, I think that's going to be an interesting group as a total, though, come training camp, obviously, for position battles. But, man, uh, you know, checking out the waves and enjoying the waves at the beach. I kept seeing, though, Chris Olave making waves, man. Everybody's been raving about him being impressed. Obviously, we saw a little bit of year two from him at organized team activities. But um, apparently, the impressive outings from him continued into minicamp. Well, he had, yeah, he had one really nice play over Alante Taylor. He went up for a jump ball, scored a touchdown okay. in team drills. That was day two. He didn't practice on day three because he was dealing with some Achilles soreness. Dennis Allen said it wasn't a big deal. But yeah, I think that is kind of where you are, where you're looking at him and saying he's going to have to be that kind of breakout player this year. And it would be great if Mike Thomas can can kind of get back to some stable version of his production. I don't need 149 catch Mike Thomas. I think I said this last year too. I need like 80 catch Mike Thomas who's available for 14 maybe even 12 games, right? Like, and, and would be around for a playoff run. That's the Mike Thomas I need. And, you know, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, I want them to kind of pick up the slack there. For now, you know, this, this I think this group is solid. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe down the road you add a, add a piece. I do think you probably could add one more depth receiver if Hunter Renfro becomes available. He would make a lot of sense. But for now, this this group, I think, makes makes the most sense. No, and I love what you're saying about Michael Thomas. Too many people are talking about, will we see 2019 Michael Thomas ever again? Shoot, man, I just want to see him for double-digit games right now. We're going to move on to the tight ends here. And first, this is Dennis Allen talking about what Taysom Hill's role is going to be. That's kind of been his role since he's been here. Um, and and we're going to utilize him in a lot of different roles. Um, he's he's a, uh, a weapon offensively for us that, that can – uh, do a lot of different things. And, and so, you know, our thought is to get him involved in a lot of different areas. And here is Derek Carr talking about his new quarterback, buddy. Yeah, you throw him a pass and he throws it back just as good. You know, um, it's, it's pretty interesting. You know, he's got, he's got a cannon arm. He can run routes. He's tough, you know, all those things. And let's see why he's been such a productive football player. And yes, we're talking about tight ends, but it's you can't talk about Taysom Hill as a tight end without talking about Taysom Hill as a quarterback and Taysom Hill as a running back and whatever. And it's very clear that, you know, while I think, and I talked to Clancy Barone about this, we played that interview in the last podcast, he's going to be more involved as a tight end in some capacity. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be tight end one, 
Taysom Hill. It never will be. It was never really going to be that last year. It was just kind of how people interpreted it. And then from week one on, you kind of saw that that was the case. It wasn't that. But for the purposes of this roster projection, they're going to keep three tight ends. Juwan Johnson, obviously. Taysom Hill counts in that position, at least as far as I am considering it. And then the change from the first roster projection, which isn't really a change, is Miller Forrestal off that top line. Miller Forrestal, we have not seen him work yet. He's been dealing with an injury. And Foster Moreau is going into it. That was always kind of the idea. Miller was kind of a placeholder for whatever blocking tight end you brought in, and that's what you did. You also have Jesse James on the roster now. Lucas Krull is also intriguing. He's looked good. I just think this is going to be a really tough nut to crack at tight end, and I think he's probably destined for the practice squad again. Yeah, I think so too with Krull on the practice squad. The one that's obviously interesting to me, though, Jesse James, just to see uh, what he can do uh, after he talked about not really getting to be in camp anyone's camp early on the past couple of years and you know with the Saints having that need still for that blocking tight end uh wondering if he could end up sneaking in and filling that role too it's possible you know and and if you and if you consider Taysom Hill a quarterback and you want to yeah take an extra tight end he would probably be the guy because I do think you need a blocking tight end more than you need an extra pass catching tight end which would be the case with Lucas Kroll like you want somebody who can be a jumbo guy and he would be that guy. I don't know what Miller Forrestal has to offer. Maybe he, he's going to show right. up and kind of open some eyes. I've never seen him play. I don't know anything about him. I was kind of hoping to learn some at this mini camp. But he, didn't, he didn't practice. So we'll see. But yeah, I, I think you're probably going to look for three. And, you know, if Foster Moreau struggles as a blocker, there's no guarantee that he he sticks on this roster. I mean, obviously he signed a three year deal, but there's nothing there's nothing guaranteed if you can't hack it as a block. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying that that's if for Jesse James to make this roster over Foster, it would have to be because Foster struggles as a blocker and Jesse stands out as a blocker. No, for sure. And I think from what at least we've seen very little, obviously early on, but what everyone's talked about as well, I think. Foster is a a pretty good fit for this this the the Saints squad. Yeah, and he's he's been nothing but consistent, right? Like, yeah, I don't see him missing this roster. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate of like, okay, if I'm Jesse James, what am I hoping right. for? I don't wow. think there's a route yeah. onto the roster if Foster makes it. No, and you have to put Taysom in this that grouping. I mean, he he is a tight end. Yeah, and one thing that Clancy said, and I and I thought it was interesting. So everyone was making a big deal about OTA absences as they always do. One thing that's worth noting is like teams have gotten a lot better at including people in the process, even when they're not here. It was something they had to do during COVID, and I think just like anyone who works a job can 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 relate to. Like there are things that you do now in your job that you didn't do pre-COVID, but that make a lot of sense, right? And one of those things is they FaceTime people into meetings and they they were able they were able to send Taysom all of the practice film and all of you know kind of the homework on his iPad. And so he was communicating with everyone in the tight end room, even when he wasn't there. And so when he got there for minicamp, he was already kind of a few steps ahead. Clancy said he could tell that he'd been working on some route running on his own. So like keep that in mind. Even when guys weren't there, they were still part of the process. Um, and so, you know, I think that's important to, to, to remember. Yeah. Just because you're, you're absent, you, you're still getting the mental reps, quote unquote, I guess you could say. 
Right. Like I work from home pretty much exclusively now, but I'm doing just as much work, if not more than I was when I sat in an office for eight hours a day. So, yeah, there, there are. the Yeah, there are the the benefits and also the negatives. I mean, because basically when you are working at home, though, you you kind of feel like it's 24 <laughs> seven. I also just had a kid. So it kind of is 24 seven for <laughs> very true. Right now. Um, but all right. Yeah, I think the tight end position is pretty straightforward and we've talked extensively about Taysom. We played the interview with Clancy last episode, so I don't want to hang on to it too long. So let's move down to offensive line. This is a question. This is a position that is difficult to project right now. And it's really not even about the players. It's about who's going to be healthy. We haven't yes. seen Trevor Penning. We haven't seen Cesar Ruiz. Both of them are dealing with the same type of injury, but they're expected to be ready for camp. And then Nick Saldaveri, we saw at rookie minicamp, but then he did not practice during any of the OTAs or minicamp dealing with a calf injury. He has been out there. He isn't wearing a boot or anything. So it seems like he's on his way back, and uh, we'll just see, have to see if he's ready. But that does make it a little difficult to project how many offensive linemen you might need to keep. For now, I'm sticking with nine. And I think they're pretty straightforward. Like you, obviously, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, Andres Pete, Nick Saldaveri, James Hurst, Trevor Penning, Ryan Ramchek are all making this roster. I think Landon Young is also a pretty safe bet to make this roster. So there's only one real question position of these nine. And I'm going with a guy I actually haven't seen yet in Billy Price, the guy that just signed off the street. But he makes a lot of sense if you're as long as he shows up and doesn't completely fall flat on his face because he can play all three interior line positions. He's a guy who could potentially back up Eric McCoy who, which personally, and this might be me projecting, but personally, I'm tired of seeing Cesar Ruiz being asked to shift over to center. I think it's hurting his development at guard when he's constantly being asked to play center. Eric McCoy has been hurt each of the last two seasons. You hope that he can kind of kick that injury bug. But I think you have to at least go into the season preparing for it. Last year, Josh Andrews was the guy you brought in, and that's not exciting for anybody. Um, and I think you do want to have a bit higher upside at your backup center spot if you can. So I think that's why I'm going with Billy Price. And the guy I knocked out was Lewis Kidd, who made the roster last year as a UDFA. The other cuts are Alex Pilstrom, Mark Evans, Calvin Throckmorton, Storm Norin, Scott Lashley, and Cody Martin. You know, it's funny you mentioned with Cesar Ruiz, Trevor Panning, obviously expected to be ready for training camp. I feel like we hear that about everybody. It's kind of like when someone has surgery and they say, oh, it was a successful surgery. Was there ever an unsuccessful surgery? Do they, Are the Saints ever expecting these guys not to be ready for training camp kind of thing? I, I don't know. I have big questions. I'll give you an example of an unsuccessful surgery. Mike Thomas in oh, 2020. Absolutely. Uh, but you know what the reports are all, all the time, though. You hear, oh, so-and-so had successful surgery kind of thing but no yeah, this, well, this, i would this, hope that surgery <laughs> is successful 99.9 percent of the time because unsuccessful surgery is a problem it means the surgeon probably shouldn't have a job yeah i mean yeah. but but uh will lutz had a you know quote unquote unsuccessful surgery too that same season like it's not always the surgery it's the recovery from the surgery that i think is where you are hoping for success I don't know, this, this this group as a whole, there's still a question for me in general just because of all the health issues we've seen and uh, just hoping that come training camp we see the 
you know, whatever kind of groups start to gel together, get some continuity, because we can talk about, you know, Derek Carr and these weapons all we'd like, but if they can't get the offensive line uh, straightened out and a lot better from last season, we're not going to see much different results. Well, and yeah, so we say Trevor Penning has a question because of the health, but then once yeah. that question is answered, he's going to be a question in terms of can he successfully start a left tackle? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think last year we never got to answer that question officially because he got hurt in the final preseason game. So any question you had about whether he would start or James Hurst was answered by the fact that he started the season on IR. But I'm pretty sure even if he had been healthy, he would have backed up James Hurst to at least start the season, maybe taking over at some point. But, I mean, there's a reason he was not didn't feel like he was going to beat out James Hurst, and it's because he wasn't ready. Hopefully that's changed this time, but we don't know. Um, he hasn't, I, I doubt that he's gotten a ton of skills development over the off season. How could you, he has been out there for every practice. He's been doing the work, the mental work at the very least. And so we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, it's, if the offensive line isn't right, a lot of things are wrong. And for any <laughs> NFL, that. that's very true of the saints. No, that's yeah. Uh, I'm hopeful with penning. We saw some positive progress from him and then, you know, then uh, the, the unfortunate injury again. And that that's obviously a concern with, you know, two foot injuries already uh, in just his first season as an NFL rookie with the Saints. I'm also, you know, you, you mentioned backup center. Sal DeVere, I know, is a guy that got some limited reps at the senior bowl, but I don't think that's anything he's really been invested in. He approaches the game like a center in terms of under, <laughs> okay. he wants to understand everything, and he said that. But I don't think in his rookie season you would yeah. want him cross-training at center. I need to make sure he is ready to go as a guard in the NFL. And then if he can do that, then sure, maybe you branch out. But for this season, I want him to be a backup guard to Andres Pete, um, and you'll go from there. And then I'm, I think James Hurst would be the backup guard to Cesar Ruiz. And you, and you don't necessarily need a backup at every single spot, but – I do want to be able to plug in guys. I, I want to have availability for guys to to plug in. The other question is, okay, maybe do you keep 10 offensive linemen? That's, again, a question I will not be able to answer, and we will not be able to answer until we see some of these guys healthy. I think there is a scenario where you might have to do that. If one of these guys gets re-aggravates an injury and isn't ready to go, and you have to maybe stash them on IR or do whatever, but... For now, I'm keeping nine just because it makes the numbers game a little easier on the back end. I could, uh, out of all of them that you have left off, maybe a Lewis kid just because he can be that swing guard tackle and has experience. But other than that, yeah, I, everything looks good on the O-line to me. I like Lewis kid. I like Calvin Throckmorton. They did sign Storm Norton, so they clearly like him. There's, I think it's possible that Storm Norton beats out Landon Young. It would be difficult because I think Landon Young has the built-in understanding of the offense, and that really helps. But, yeah, I, I, I'm, I am not beholden to a Lewis kid or any of these guys and other than the fact that they're around and they understand things. But, all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the defense, defensive line, defensive back, and linebacker. This is Inside Black and Gold. We're just going through the 53-man roster projection, which has changed slightly after the Saints minicamp that Steve did not attend. So I'm basically just schooling him up real quick. But we're going to go through that last 
three positions. Some interesting changes, if I do say so myself. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Follow Steve Geller on Twitter at Steve Geller. And you can follow this podcast on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. One more segment coming back at you. Stick around. 